0: Good day, everyone. This is your estimable host, Jose Nino, back with another episode of El Nino Speaks. Today, we're going a bit more practical on politics here. So if you enjoyed my previous episode with Chris Stone of the National Association for Gun Rights, you'll enjoy this conversation today with my present guest. He is Brendan Barro the director of field operations at the National Association for Gun Rights and the founder and executive director for Great Lakes Gun Rights. He was another former coworker of mine at NAGR, who I learned a ton
1: about politics from. How's everything going, Brendan? Oh, we're keeping busy, Jose. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Great. Well, could you give my listeners a brief overview of your political background?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been working in grassroots politics now for uh, over a decade. I got my start back in 2010. I actually started a chapter of Young Americans for Liberty at Western Michigan University. I was actually fall 2009. And uh, through Young Americans for Liberty, I actually got hooked up with the National Right to Work Committee. And I worked for the National Right to Work Committee for a couple of years, was in Indiana when Indiana passed Right to Work. You know, In case you're your listeners aren't familiar with that issue, you know, it just simply says that you you cannot be forced to join a union to get or keep a job. And uh, basically, you know, it's dealing with the freedom of association issue. After that, I went to work in the Ohio General Assembly for a year for State Representative Ron Hood, who's a close ally of the Liberty Movement. He's a solid guy, cares about limited government, gun rights, all the issues that we care about. And then in uh, 2014, I started with the National Association for Gun Rights, working in their, their field operations department and been doing that ever since.
0: Great stuff. So, yeah, I've noticed that groups like GR never sleep. You guys are always doing something irrespective of the election cycle or the time of the year. What's GLGR's primary legislative focus at the moment?
1: Yeah, no. And, you know, especially in a, in a state like Michigan, Michigan, has a full-time legislature and I'll give folks a little background on Great Lakes gun rights. You know, I started with NAGR in 14, and my bosses at the time gave me the opportunity to start Great Lakes gun rights. I was living in Colorado at the time. I'm a Michigan native, long desire to move back to Michigan. I ended up moving back to Michigan in 2018 to be closer to family, but also to to be more actively involved in the gun rights fight here in Michigan. Michigan is a backward state when it comes to the Second Amendment. We do not have constitutional carry. We have open carry. Concealed carry is very expensive to do and comes with heavy penalties if you do not pay the pay the government it's due and get the permit. It's a five-year felony in Michigan to carry without a concealed pistol license, to carry concealed or in your car without a CPL. And that's worse than what it is in California where it's only a misdemeanor. You know, we have a form of pistol registration. It's not really a True form of pistol registration. It's actually basically a database the government keeps of transactions, the transactional database. It's, you know, anytime a firearm is transferred from one party to another, the government keeps a record of it. But even in that, there are loopholes. There are ways for people to not have to comply with that. So it's not even a complete database, but yet it creates this issue with. Law abiding citizens not knowing, and even law enforcement has no idea how to enforce this law. Of course, over the years, there's been little nip tucks around it to make it not as bad as it could be. But in any case, the gun laws here are are just very backwards. You know, to throw someone in jail for five years for what is essentially a victimless crime is absurd. So, our number one priority is constitutional carry. We want to get rid of that permit requirement. We want to link the ability to carry without a permit to the right to possess. Uh, if you have the right to possess a handgun in Michigan, you should be able to carry it openly or concealed without having to get a permit. And we also want to get rid of the pistol registration requirement, which is linked to our permit to purchase system that is archaic from the 1920s. You know, Michigan is one of a, only a handful of states that has this. And, you know, it's just, it's time for it to go.
0: Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack, and also it seems that you guys have a full plate legislatively to deal with in Michigan. So, yeah, generally speaking, like from what I've seen from Michigan, it does seem like a swing state at the federal level. A lot of people would say it's like one of those like realignment states that's now more competitive for the GOP because of the working class shift to the Republican Party.
1: Does this dynamic also hold true at the state level? Yeah, Michigan's an interesting state because it's been voting Republican at the state level, you know, for state legislative races pretty consistently, you know, at least for the last decade. You know, of course, Democrats would howl that was because of gerrymandering. But even before (laughs) that, a lot of it just has to do with the demographics and the political geography of the state. You have a handful of larger cities, but then the whole rest of the state is rural and spread out. And so that's led to, you know, Republicans typically holding control at the state level. You also do have those blue-collar working-class workers who, who love their guns and babies. They also love their unions. And, you know, like you said, you're talking about the realignment. I mean, I think that plays into this, certainly. You're looking at areas of Michigan that, that have not been represented by Republicans in a long time. Genesee County, that's where Flint is. You have Republicans representing in Genesee. And actually, it's 2020 election you had republicans pick up seats in Genesee County and I think Bay County was another area it's another blue collar area but lose a seat in Kalamazoo County which is Kalamazoo County is where western michigan is so you had republicans lose a seat there because it's more you know suburban college educated so you're seeing that greater divide between those areas and michigan is kind of you know in the midst of a political realignment i think it's behind you know, some other states in the region. Of course, I think the Republican Party is, is hurting itself here because, for example, on the gun rights issue, yes, <laughs> they are terrified of looking good on guns. There's no evidence to back it up. You know, they don't want to push big, bold reforms. I mean, we had a vote on constitutional carry while you were still here, and Jose, back in 2017, Speaker of the House at the time, Tom Leonard, he's now running for Attorney General, you know, brought constitutional carry up for a vote. And it passed. It passed out of the house. We haven't had anything since then because the leadership, Republican leadership, has just been terrified of it. You know, despite the fact that Republicans in the 2018 election, those who voted for constitutional carry performed better than those who voted against it. Yeah, it's a very swingy state. I mean, you look at 2018 election cycle. I mean, Republicans got annihilated here at the state level. Of course, again, a lot of it plays into the Republican Party of. Michigan, you know, we nominated Bill Schuette to run against Gretchen Whitmer, and he was afraid to actually run a real aggressive campaign against her. I mean, she's she's an anti gun Democrat. And she's a leftist on many issues, and Bill Schuette just basically ran a positive puff campaign that really just I mean, they hardly touched her, especially on the gun rights issue. Nobody touched her but Great Lakes gun rights. We called out her record. She opposed Stand Your Ground, Castle Doctrine back when, uh, in 2006, when those laws were signed into law by a Democrat governor here in Michigan, which is ironic. Is that you had back in 2006, you had Castle Doctrine and Stand Your Ground get signed by a Democrat governor. You had broad support from it, from Republicans and Democrats. But Gretchen Whitmer, you know, she's a liberal from the Lansing area, which is where Michigan State is. When Lansing's, of course, state capital. So, you know, those areas are typically more liberal. So she's an out-and-out liberal, you know, whereas a lot of Michigan has Democrats or used to have Democrats who are more moderate or more pro-gun, at least.
0: Yeah, there's a theme here with regards to pushing for legislative projects such as constitutional carry. It's that these type of efforts are not walks in the park. A lot of work must be put into them. And there's obviously going to be tons of opposition to these bills when they're introduced in a legislative chamber. What do you think are the biggest obstacles towards the passage of constitutional carry in Michigan?
1: Yeah, there's a couple things that I can think of there is there's a disconnect between the grassroots and the political class. We talk about it here in Lansing, the Lansing bubble. The politicians are terrified. Uh, they, they get themselves ginned up of things to be scared of. You know, we had the issue back in 2020 of folks who are demonstrating here at the capitol about the lockdowns and they're carrying firearms in the capitol michigan used to have very lax policies when it came to carrying in the capitol you can openly carry you could concealed carry you could carry long guns in the capitol even up to the house gallery and that was the state law uh, or the policy of the capitol since the existence of the state capitol but you know because of the scary stuff happening Republicans started making excuses. Well, we got to do something. We got to ban guns in the Capitol or something. And literally no one else was talking about this except for the Lansing bubble in the media. And, you know, I was arguing with lawmakers about that. They're like, well, we have to do something like, no, you don't. You don't have to do anything. And so they, they just get themselves ginned up and, you know, get themselves so worried about it that they think they have to pass gun control. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, in the wake of Oxford. You know, back in November. You know, now that's why we're getting a red flag hearing, you know, possibly this week uh, over in the Senate. You know, they also did the school safety task force, which we were promised, you know, it's not going to have anything to do with guns. But, you know, Democrats are doubling down. They're demanding mandatory storage laws, they're demanding all these things. And, And it just shows the importance of staying on offense. That's why the gun rights community has to stay on offense. I mean, before Great Lakes Gun Rights, you know, got on the scene, you know, there there are other gun groups in the state. There are some that are good. There are others that just they really don't do that much when it comes to offensively. They're more incremental. They believe that we need to go for the smallest bite that we can possibly get instead of trying to go for a big bite, you know, and that's that has proven to be a disaster nationwide when the gun rights community will settle for a, you know, a quarter loaf. You know, you have the the gun control lobby pushing for their full loaf. Well, what's going to win out? And that's why there has to be, you know, in existence a, a, a no-compromise gun rights organization or gun rights community that is no compromise, that will keep demanding more from politicians and state capitals to force them to pass pro-gun legislation. So it's trying to make a change in the political environment here. I mean, that's something that, you know, we practice at NAGR, is forcing the politicians to take tough positions on issues that we care about. And I think we've done that a decent job in that here in Michigan during the elections. Most politicians say they support constitutional carry. Of course, once they get to Lansing, they, they change their mind. Well, they still support it, but they say, you know, now it's not the time because we can't do it while well. we have Governor Whitmer. We got we to gotta wait for a more practical time. Well, then it stopped Republicans in Pennsylvania from sending it to the governor's desk to get vetoed. You know, another another issue is, and this is a this is a, a touchy one, is is frankly term limits. Michigan has the strictest term limits in the nation. You have state representatives who can be in, in the House for six years, then they're done for life. Then they can go over to the Senate for two terms, two four-year terms, and then they're done for life. So you just have a lot of churning. You have a lot of new politicians. A lot of them are looking for their next lobbying gig. You don't have that institutional memory of politicians remembering other politicians who lost their elections over gun rights issues. So it's every two years, you know, we've got to be involved in a pile of races to make sure that they remember that gun rights is a winning issue and that supporting gun control is a losing issue. And then just this lack of leadership, it seems, from the Republican establishment on the gun rights issue. And, you know, I don't know where the establishment gun lobby has been in Michigan. I think they parachuted in a couple months ago for one hearing and then they were gone again. And of course they aren't actually helping push anything major here, just really ceremonial bills that are gonna give Republicans cover, you know, to go lie to their their voters that they're pro-gun when they actually haven't done anything to to change the laws here.
0: So let's expand on the Republican aspect here because many people tend to think that Republicans are an instant loft for passing legislation like constitutional carry. However, real world experience teaches us that it's actually not the case. And who are some of the Republicans that you believe are playing the biggest role in preventing constitutional carry from moving in Michigan?
1: Yeah, in Michigan, it's going to be Jason Wentworth, who's Speaker of the House, and Mike Shirkey, the Senate Majority Leader. I mean, these gentlemen have the ability to set the table. They can tell their committee chairmans to hold hearings on these bills to to advance them, but they don't. You know, Graham Filler, he's the House Judiciary Committee chairman too. He's been an obstacle too. You know, he's busy passing all sorts of Democrat proposals, because of course he's going to be running for Speaker of the House at some point. But gun bills languish and die in committees. You know, that's the absurdity over in the Michigan Senate. Senate Majority Leader made promises to Democrats two years ago and actually, I just learned that it was actually a direct exchange to buy Democrat votes on a different issue to give them this hearing on red flag. And actually, Mike Shirky gave that promise to hold hearings on red flag the same week of the 2019 Second Amendment march in Lansing. So he, he was cutting deals with Democrats while pro-gun activists were rallying outside the Capitol. You know, and ultimately, an issue you know that we have here is that... Uh, both the Speaker and the Senate Majority Leader are term-limited. They don't care what their voters have to say, and you have, you know, a third to almost half the caucus who are term-limited. They, you know, what we talk about, you know, Jose, you know, when it comes to grassroots politics, we have to have demonstrable proof of angry voters in politicians' districts to make them care about an issue. Now, if a politician's no longer running for office, he doesn't care anymore. He can just vote his conscience. Well, I don't want politicians voting their conscience on my issue i want them voting my conscience and the conscience of my my members of my organization and when you don't have that election hanging over their heads i mean this is why constitutional carry is moving in so many states this year you're in an election year politicians are very sensitive to the grassroots pressure they're getting they're all in new legislative districts there's a lot of primaries going on i mean this is why it's moving in ohio that's the only reason why it's been sent to the governor's desk in ohio why we have chances in Georgia, it's because of elections. Elections have consequences and politicians realize that if they're bad on an issue, they could lose their jobs over this. Or if they want to be able to go back to their constituents in their district, they got to go home with something. And constitutional carry is that issue in in most states now.
0: I want to leave my listeners with some practical political advice in this episode. And I think what you talked about beforehand is really important information if you want to be effective in politics, because in my time working with you, Brendan, I've picked up on many valuable political lessons. We could spend literally hours on end talking about them, but let's focus on one in particular that I think would be of great use to my audience. Why should anyone who is politically active avoid so-called access-based politics, or lobbying for that matter?
1: Yeah, that's a good one, Jose. You know, that's what makes the National Association for Gun Rights different from other gun rights organizations. You know, ultimately, access-based lobbying is all about making relationships with politicians and greasing the skids through backroom deals and Basically, the relationship with the politicians is more important than the policy. You know, it's about getting as much as you can without making the politicians angry. I think that's what I've learned the most over the last few years here is what ultimately limits the effectiveness of the access-based model is that it only goes so far as you cannot not harm the relationship with the politicians versus the no-compromise grassroots confrontational model. Yes, we have to have relationships with politicians. We can't file our own bills. But we have to find politicians who are, you know, hardcore on our issue, who care about the tactics and want to see the policy win, and they're okay with taking some losses. You know, we're okay with our bill failing the first time around. I mean, we'd rather it pass, but getting a roll call vote on it ultimately gives us the opportunity to go hold politicians accountable in the next election cycle. And the key is, is that we are, The representatives from the grassroots to the politicians. We make it clear to them that we expect you to hold up your promises that you made in the campaign, and we expect you to do what your constituents are asking you to do. And if you don't, you will be replaced. If there is not a fear, a political fear, in the political establishment of you, you are not going to be respected. In order for you to be politically respected, you must be politically feared. And the only way you can do that is by not taking compromises, is by making it clear that we want the whole loaf and nothing less. And don't go away until you give them that. And you know what? The political left does this. Political left is much more effective at this. And that's where there needs to be more groups and more activists on the right who are okay with not getting everything in the first year. Politics is a long game. It's not a short game. It's a long game. And that means sometimes it takes 10 years, 20 years to pass good policy, but it's worth it because over that time, the political environment is changing and the politicians are learning lessons that they are expected to be good on these issues, or they're going to pay the political cost. So it's not taking those compromises that the access model comes with, because ultimately the the issue there is that as little pieces are nibbled off, it makes it harder to fight for the bigger things. I mean, we're experiencing this in in Indiana right now as we're trying to pass constitutional carry. For years, we started pushing constitutional carry back in 2015. And what they did is they cut the permit fee. Well, then they made one permit free. Then they made all the permits free. And then they are trying to change it to just be a provisional permit. And I think we're gonna finally get constitutional carry. But the fact of the matter is that it was already pretty easy to get a permit in Indiana. So all these compromises took... Wind out of our sails. It's not that you know lowering the permit fees in and of itself is a is a bad thing, but the problem is, is that they have super majorities in Indiana and a Republican governor. There's no excuse for them not to pass constitutional carry.
0: Many such cases of like Republican super majorities.
1: Yeah. So you know when when the establishment lobby comes in, access based, they don't want to mess up their good relationships with the politicians. They go to the politicians and say. What do you want to pass? Instead of going to them saying, this is what you're passing. And that's what grassroots activists have to do. They have to say, pass my bill. This is what I want. I'm not taking anything less. And it's amazing. I mean, I've started at NHGR in 2014. There were only four constitutional carry states. We're at 21. We might get up to 25 this year. And it's using these tactics. It's not compromising. It's forcing politicians to do what they don't want to do and what we want them to do.
0: Great stuff, Brendan. What projects does GLGR have in the works for the rest of 2022?
1: Well, it's going to be a busy one. In the next couple of weeks here, we're going to have a hearing on red flag, more than likely in the Senate. As much as we've told them that we don't want that, they're going to be passing some minimal pro-gun bills in the Michigan House this week, which are, of course, going to give Democrats cover in several swing districts around the state. So We're gonna have to figure out what to do about that. We'd like to get a vote on constitutional carry in both the House and the Senate, so we're working on that. You know, to really get politicians on the record and also to make an election year issue. Everything is up this year in Michigan: the whole House, the whole Senate, the governor, the Attorney General, the Secretary of State. All of these offices are up in 2022, and Republicans really have an opportunity to make major gains. Even though the you know quote-unquote independent redistricting commission has gerrymandered the districts to be, quote unquote, more fair, which we know just means more friendly to Democrats, Republicans can still make major gains here. And it's going to be key for them to actually do something with those majorities if they get them and if they get the governor's office. And so our goal is to make it a major issue in the Republican primaries in August and then make the gun rights issue a major issue in the the general election to make it clear that being good on gun rights is good politics and sporting gun control is bad politics. And then of course, you know, if Republicans do sweep everything, then we gotta actually hold them to it. And it's gonna take a lot of time, money, talent to make that happen. You know, Michigan's not a small state. It's not a large state. It's middle of the road. And there's gonna be a lot of money spent here from outside groups on the governor's race for sure. As uh Governor Whitmer is seen to be vulnerable. And I think national Democrats don't want to see her lose because I think that would ding their credibility. So we got a lot going on here. Full-time legislature got to be on full-time defense, full-time opportunities, trying to get good votes. And then going into the summer with the August primaries, trying to get politicians on record. And then, you know, going into the fall elections and see if we can, if uh, pro-gun majorities can be elected and then get a pro-gun governor, see if we can get something set up for 2023.
0: All right, let's uh, put a bookmark in this conversation. Brendan, I had a fantastic time chatting with you I'm pumped to see what NAGR and GLGR will be doing in the next few months. Where can my audience keep up with GLGR's latest projects?
1: Sure. Check us out at GreatLakesGunRights.org. We keep that website pretty well up to date. You can also get on our email list by visiting that website. We're also active on, on Facebook as well. Yeah, come check us out. If anyone has any questions, you can shoot us a message on our website. Happy to chat. Awesome.
0: So to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in again. And with that, El Nino has spoken.